today, we're going to talk about Anna. Anna the prophetess. We have a very few verses on her, and so I'm going to read them. And I want to warn you now, uh, we have a lot of stuff we're going to actually do here in the next 35 or 40 minutes. So I'm going to speak really fast, and I want to apologize that for that right now. But if you'll listen fast, and I'll speak fast, man, our ears and my mouth will just get in perfect sync, okay? All right, Luke chapter 2 is where we find the information out about Anna. Now I'm going to read these verses to you, and I'm going to stop a couple of times along the way just to kind of give some background to what's going on. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. All right, prophetess, what's that? Well, it's a female prophet, prophetess. It's a prophetess. This isn't somebody who necessarily predicts the future. The general role or office of a prophet in the Bible was somebody who proclaimed the truth of God's word. So, like, here's the deal. Anna, from what we get from that, she really knew her Bible. Like, she knew the Bible well. And she was probably a teacher of the Bible, which actually is a very important thing to know as we go through this story and what happened with her. All right? She's a prophetess. She was very old. Not a nice thing to say about her, but she was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, here we go. Here's some very important information we need to know about her. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day. So she loved to worship. Fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment. Now, what's that talking about? Coming up on who? What's happening at this very moment? Well, here's the thing. This is uh, Jesus has been brought to the temple. Uh, he's eight days old, and he was being brought to the temple to dedicate, very similar to what we do around here. We dedicate children. We don't circumcise the boys when we dedicate here, but, you know, very similar other than that one little piece uh, that was going on. Uh, brought to the temple, and the temple is a huge place, everybody, just this massive, huge complex. This is Herod's temple, and it was enormous. It was absolutely enormous, this huge courtyard. And what you were envisioning happening is there was this guy named Simeon. He's an older guy, and it says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And he was out there, we're imagining, in the courtyard, and Mary and Joseph, they're bringing Jesus. They've dedicated him to the Lord. And then here comes Simeon along, seen amongst thousands of people, everybody, happens to see this one couple, Mary and Joseph, with baby Jesus. says, ah, this is it. This is the Messiah. And he's got baby Jesus in his arms, and he's lifting him up. And at that moment, that's when Anna walks up. At that moment. Just so happens. She walks up. At that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child Jesus to all who are looking for the redemption, which means the salvation, the Messiah, looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, uh, for these wonder women of the Bible that we have been talking about. And today, uh, Lord, wow, we've got Anna and uh, this amazing person. Three verses, but they say so much about her. Help us, God, to uh, gain some understanding. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Now, um, there are many people who who struggle with this question, is Jesus the Christ? Is Jesus the Christ? And I have sat with so many people over the years, and I can, you know, just see it on their faces. I feel it in their hearts. You know, is Jesus really the Christ? Jesus Christ, Jesus is Jesus' first name. Christ, as you know, it's not his last name. Like my name is John Sly. His wasn't Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm Jesus Christ. Nice to meet you. Christ identifies who he was. Christ in the Bible means the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. So he's saying he is it. So 
How do we know that? I mean, is he, is he really the Christ? And I've sat with so many people struggling, you know, I just can't get clear on that. Is he really, is he really it? Is he the Christ? And I see the frustration and I see the pain. Sometimes I see the hopelessness. There's a lot of confusion over this. So Anna, with what seemingly is very little information, I mean, she's just walking up on this situation here, all of a sudden, bam, she realizes, she comes to peace about this situation. He is the Christ. How does she do that? Yeah, there are clues here in the life of Anna, this wonder woman of the Bible, that maybe we could all take those of us, first of all, who were like struggling with that question, is Jesus the Christ? For those of us who have friends or family who are struggling with the question, are there clues that we could take and like implement them in our lives or in other people's lives and say, hey, you should think about doing this, that maybe you'll take a couple steps quick, maybe a couple leaps closer to figuring out, is Jesus the Christ? Because we want to get to peace about this. Here's one other thing I want to say before I jump into Anna. All right. The Bible and God, both, the Bible, it's clear in the Bible, the Bible understands doubt. You know, far too often, this, like, feeling is given off from people. Oh, man, you just, you got to just embrace Jesus the Christ. You gotta, I mean, I wholeheartedly believe it. I have no doubts whatsoever. Bammo. Here it comes. Uh, the Bible understands this is a difficult pill to swallow doesn't happen like that for the majority of people. God gave us a brain and we process things. This happened really quick with Anna, but it didn't happen with the disciples that way, did it? You think about Anna and her life and the little bit of evidence, knowledge, background that she had on Jesus compared with the great amount of knowledge that the disciples had and where the disciples were with their doubt. I want to read you a verse from the end of the Gospel of Matthew. This is after Jesus has lived his life. He's been crucified. He's been resurrected. And now after his resurrection, he's hanging out for 40 days with the disciples. And he's talking to them and carrying on and teaching them. And he's eating all kinds of stuff. And just in a few days, he's going to go up to heaven. Now, look what it says about the disciples. Matthew 28, 16 and 17. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But what? But some doubted. Some doubted. How did Anna... and like These disciples, have? they know that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. They've seen Him raise Lazarus from the dead, walk on water, feed 5,000 people, heal countless people, right? Do all these things. Cruci- rested, crucified, resurrected, and they're looking right at Him, and it says they doubted. Don't you think that God understands for those of us living 2,000 years later that it takes a while for us to process that, that God doesn't understand that? Of course He does. But how does Anna, with so little information, do so much? This is what I want to talk about. And the first one is this. If you're following along your bulletin, strong evidence. Write that down. Strong evidence. God knows, God knows that putting our faith in Jesus, answering that question, is Jesus the Christ, isn't done purely on faith. We're saved by faith and faith alone. But what makes up that faith is some solid evidence that God gives us. God gives us evidence. There's all kinds of evidence in the Bible that point to Jesus Christ being the Messiah. All kinds of evidence for that. I just want to focus on one thing. Because during this time frame that Anna's living in, many people were looking for the Messiah. Why? We read in Luke 3.15 that the people, it says this, the people were waiting expectantly and all wondering in their hearts if John, speaking of John the Baptist, is possibly the Christ. Why were they doing that, everybody? 
Why were they, think, why were they going out to John and say, Hey, John, you know, are you, are you it? Are you the one? Are you the anointed one, the Messiah? Why were they doing that? They were doing that because the Bible, God gives us in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27, He says, I'm going to give you a timetable, a time frame for when the Messiah is going to show up. So by revelation, Daniel writes in those chapters, you, you have to go and read this. He says, God says through Daniel, He says, 483 years from the time that the decree is given to rebuild Jerusalem, the Messiah is going to show up. Jerusalem had been destroyed. Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came in. They totally wiped the city out. And now Daniel is living as an exile in Babylon. And he's praying and he's looking to God for an answer. And when are we ever going to go back home? And in the midst of this, God gives him this revelation. The whole second half of Daniel is this prophetic revelation of the future. And part of it was the Messiah is going to come 483 years from the time the decree is given. Artaxerxes was the king, and he gave that decree a few years after Daniel wrote this in 600 B.C. And if you add the numbers up, it leads us to the date A.D. 30. A.D. 30. Can you think of anybody in A.D. 30 that fits the bill of a Messiah from history? A.D. 30 is traditionally the time that we know that Jesus Christ arrived in Jerusalem, and we call it Palm Sunday. And Jesus Christ entered Jerusalem and he was hailed king. So Anna knew this. She knew the Bible well. She understood Daniel chapter 9 and so did a bunch of other people. And so everybody was looking for the Messiah. There is strong evidence. That's just one piece. There's a lot of other pieces that also point to Christ. Here's the next one. Serious prayer. Anna was, Anna was a woman of prayer. Now, I want you to just mark out that serious prayer because that just sounds way too spiritual. And I thought about that after I sent the outline. And just put in these words, just ask. That sounds a whole lot more simple for those of you who are, who are trying to find an answer to that question. Is Jesus the Christ? Just simply ask. That's all it comes down to. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Ask and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask. It's a simple ask. Anna talked to God a lot. We're told that she was in the temple day and night and she was praying. She was talking to God. Now, um, Strange thing is I talk to people a lot of times about this issue and we're talking about it as Jesus the Christ. We'll, we'll come up on this and again, there's, I see the frustration, I see the confusion and the pain and I'm trying to help them come to an answer, to get an answer they feel at peace about this. And a lot of times, I mean, I just, I go around and around and around, around with the Bible with them a lot and it, you know, it seems as if sometimes you know, that kind of want me to conjure up Jesus right in front of them and to, you know, that prove it that he's there. And I, you know, I can't do that. I've been able to do that in a long time. And so finally, after a lot of frustration, you know what, I, I fall back on something that's so simple. I say, well, you know what, why don't you just, why don't you just ask God? Why don't you just ask God? Hey, God, is Jesus the Messiah? Is he the Christ? Is he the Savior of the world? You know, the majority of the world believes in God. Almost the entire planet. There's very few atheists really in this world. Most people even go. A lot of people have trouble with Jesus. They like Jesus. They think he's cool, but not sure he's the Messiah. I said, why don't you just ask? You know, I'm always shocked at the at the at the kind of facial expressions that I get when I say that. Because a lot of people look back and say, Well, you know, I don't want to do that. I say, Really? Did you want an answer to this? I want an answer! Well, why don't you ask? I don't want to do that. You know, the strangest time that hit me was the night uh, about 20 year, years ago I was arrested in Belgium. And I don't, I don't have time. To, I've told the story before. 
I've told the story before, so I'm not going to bore you with the details. But the night I was arrested in Belgium, uh, after getting out of the police station, I find myself in a train station at 5 o'clock in the morning talking to another guy. I was 19. He was 19. And we're carrying on in this conversation. And he was very, uh, man, he was really worked up about this issue. Is Jesus the Christ? And he really wanted to know. And he's frustrated. He was frustrated at Christians. Uh, frustrated the church, wanted to know the answer. And man, we went around and around the mountain for about an hour and a half or two hours. And finally, out of exhaustion, I said, you believe in God. Why don't you just ask him to show it to you? Why don't you every day just say, okay, God, if Jesus is it, just show, prove it to me. Show me. And he said, I'm not going to do that. I said, well, why? He said, I'm not going to do it. I said, why? He said, I'm not going to do it. I said, okay. Here's the thing, everybody. If you're really struggling with this or you know a friend or a family member, why don't you just say, well, why don't you just ask God? I mean, if you really want to know the answer, what, what, why, it won't hurt to ask. There's some kind of battle. Over this question, is Jesus the Christ, I think it is one of the greatest battles, natural and spiritual, that goes on in the entire universe. And I don't know what else to say about it. I get these strange responses. Just yes. Here's the third thing. Stomach suppression. Stomach suppression. Now, I'm not talking about dieting. I want this to be clear right up front. All right? Stomach suppression. All right. What is clear from this scripture that we just read about Anna is that she knew the Bible, that she prayed, and then it says she fasted. What is fasting, everybody? Fasting is something that's talked about often in the Bible. It's where somebody doesn't eat. Sometimes they don't even drink. But they don't eat for the most part. They don't eat. Instead of taking their meal and spending their time uh, you know, to have a meal... What they do at that time is they go to God and they pray. And many times in the Bible, what you get is they're looking for an answer to a question. They need some answer, something that is given. Anna prayed. Esther prayed. We're getting ready. To, there's a women's group here at church. There's a sign up in the back, and they're getting ready to do the study on Esther. This, this woman who was exalted to be the queen of this nation, this incredible set of events took place and she was Jewish and all the Jews in this foreign nation she was living in were, were going to die. This edict was given that they were, all the Jews were to be killed and so she um, needed an answer because her life was on the line and we're told that not only did she fast but she called everybody else around her to fast. So for people who are really looking for an answer, they fast. So if you're really looking for the answer, is Jesus the Christ? You fast. You say, God, you know what? You're more, the answer is more important to me. The answer from you is more important to me than food is right now. So I want to fast and I want to talk about it. Jesus fasted. Moses fasted. Anna, Esther, Paul, all these people. And, and they fast and they, they go to God. And in some strange way, everybody, this is what struck me this week thinking about Anna and fasting. In some strange way, it seems as if our stomachs can lead us far from God. Isn't that bizarre? What was the first sin? Anybody know? Was anybody here last week? Yeah. Has anybody heard of Adam and Eve? First sin. What was it? Did it have something to do with the stomach? It had to do with food. Isn't that interesting? What is that? Hey, check this out. Philippians 3.19. This is what Paul writes. He's writing about a group of people who have strayed far from God. He says, For as often... Uh, for as I have often told you before, and now I say it again, I say it with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now check this out. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. What's up with that? Something about fasting. It's like letting God know 
who, who really is God. You're God, and my stomach is not. The stomach is not God. It's like a way of saying to our stomach, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suppress you because I want God to know who's really in charge, what's most important. It, it, this seems weird, doesn't it? I was speaking about 15 years ago at a retirement home. They have a chapel at this retirement home, and they have a chaplain. And the chaplain every now and then brings in speakers. And so he, yeah, I met him somewhere, and he invited me to come and speak. And so after I got done with the chapel service, I'm having a conversation with him about his ministry, because that's all he does. He ministers at the retirement. I said, how's this go for you? like it? He said, I love it. It's great. You know, people are wonderful. I always know where to find them. People are wonderful. You know, they're sweet, darling people. He said, but... He said, but uh, mealtime, oh, my gosh. He said, it's, it's violent. It's actually scary around here. He said, I got run over the other night by a lady in her walker. He said, because what happens, you know, that we eat at 5 o'clock here. And, man, at about 4.58, you can hear the wheels squeak, 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 coming down. And he says, if you don't get out of their way, they'll yell at you, they'll grit their teeth at you, they'll push you over, whatever, because they are going to get to that 5 o'clock meal. Nothing's going to stop them. What is that? If you really want to know the answer, is Jesus the Christ? If you're searching for it, look at the evidence. Ask. Just ask the Father every day. Anna's asking night and day. And consider fasting. People in the Bible who are really serious about needing an answer always fasted. Any of you who are looking for an answer on anything, you got a problem, you got some kind of thing you need to fill in the blank on this morning, you need an answer on something, I want you to really think about this. Anytime in the Bible that somebody needed an answer, they fasted and God gave an answer. Okay, that's the three things. Now, I want to shift here just real quick if I can. I've been speaking to those of you who are looking for the answer, is Jesus the Christ? Now, I, I want to speak to those people here this morning who have already settled on that answer. You know, eventually the disciples settled on that. They had peace, they had passion, and they had purpose around that. And they went and they turned the world upside down because they said, like, yes, Jesus is the Christ. The doubts went away, and they were solid on that. So for those of you here this morning who are, like, totally said, yes, Jesus is right, now I want to talk completely to you. The rest of you, you can just go right to sleep because I want to totally focus on those of you here in these next few moments who are settled on this. There's a lot of things that you can do to help help people around you and arrive at a good answer on that question, is Jesus the Christ? A bunch of stuff. And one of the things I just want to say, and we have no time to get into it now, but I think we're going to get into it in the next couple months. I think the church and Christians are one of the greatest stumbling blocks to people trying to figure out, is Jesus the Christ? And we don't have time to get into that now, but we're going to eventually get in the future. But here's something that you can do. I'd like you to write it down for those of you who believe that Jesus is the Christ. Sing. Write that in your outline. Sing. This is like incredibly important. Sing. There's a bunch of stuff that you can do. One of the things you can do is sing. We're told all over the place in the Bible, all over the place in the Bible, but you can read, I got Psalm 92 and Psalm 150 written down. The Bible encourages us, it commands us to sing, to proclaim God's word and proclaim God's truth in a world that needs to hear the truth proclaimed. Listen, we sing and we praise God because God deserves to be thanked. We sing and we praise God because we need to proclaim the truth, the truth of God's word, and we do it with song. And the Bible commands us to do those things. Now, there is, as I said a few moments ago, a tremendous battle that goes on around this question, is Jesus the Christ? And one of the ways we help those that are around us have victory in that battle is we sing. Because when we sing, 
God comes and he answers. Now, I bet a bunch of you remember the story about Jericho, the walls of Jericho falling down, big battle the Israelites were in. And so what did they do? They sent out the singers out front. And they said, we want you to go and want you to sing around this city. And eventually the walls came tumbling down and they won a great victory. But I want to tell you of another instance. It happened in Second Chronicles chapter 20 in King Jehoshaphat. This is what it says about him. It says that King Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. They're in a battle. They're getting ready to march out against another army. So it goes on and says, as they went out ahead of the army. Isn't that great? I love to think about that. Anytime that we're in a major battle here at church, we put the music team right out front, let them take all the arrows, let them take all the pain, and let the pastor get all the way in the back of the bus. It's a great idea. All right. As they went out, the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon. That's what we want God to do, everybody. For those of you in this room who believe that Jesus is the Christ, when you sing and praise God, God begins to fight against the enemy who confuses us over the answer. That's why you have got to sing. You've got to lift it up with your full voice. So he says, he says ambushes against Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. You all used to watch Batman? Anybody? Batman? Batman and Robin? Batman and Robin? Okay, so who's the guy that used to send up the bat signal? Commissioner Gordon sent up the bat signal. And when Batman saw the bat signal, what did he do? What was, that, what was the signal? What did that mean? It means it's time to fight. And he got his little buddy in tights. That's the dumbest thing, man. What is wrong with us back, you know, 30, 40 years? Guys running around in tights. That's just weird, man. Anyway, but they show up in their little tights and their mask, and they, they would fight. But the bat signal was the signal to Batman, it's time to come and jump in the fight. And when you and I sing praise to God, we're sending a signal up to God saying, God, we need you to jump in this fight. We need you to jump in this fight. Whether you're singing because you have a fight on your hands or you're singing because the person sitting next to you has a fight on their hands because they're trying to figure out, is Jesus the Christ? It is a signal to God that we need you in the fight. I don't know about you, but I need God in my fight all the time. There's something else that happens. Psalm 114 says this. It says, Judah became God's sanctuary. The name Judah means praise. What that tells us is this, is that when we sing praise to God, that God comes in sanctuaries with us. That God comes and fills the place where we are. And when God does that, He tears walls down. He gives clarity where there is confusion. And He helps people understand, is Jesus the Christ? Now, I want to admit something to you here. I'm not a musical person, like, at all. Like, I can't sing at all. I can't clap on beat at all. I can't do any of those things. And neither am I moved by music. Have you ever driven up like in your car next to somebody and you know, you can, they're just in there. They're going for it, man. They're like, ah, in the whole car. My son and I, my 15-year-old son, we drove up next to a person just recently. Man, the whole car was shaking. I said, Jonathan, look at that, man. They're just going for it. And the guy was in there like, whoa, 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 just singing. You, that'll never happen to me. You'll never drive up. You're like, you'll never drive up next to me and say, oh man, look at him. He's really going for it. Because I'm just not moved by music. But I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. When I sit up here on Sunday mornings, I mean, I don't try to, I'm not irritating people. I don't sing really super loud. But full voice, full voice and full heart, I sing. Even though I'm not moved by music. For those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ, I and mean, we sing songs and, you know, some of you might think, you know, well, well, this isn't my style of music. I don't really care for this song. 
Or, you know what, I'm just not, that's not my gift. I'm not a singer. Well, tough luck. You don't have a choice. I mean, if you believe the Bible, if you're into the Bible and you say you believe you're all about Jesus, you got your Jesus on and all this kind of stuff, you come in here, right? Then you don't have a choice. You got to sing full voice. Because you're inviting God to the battle and we can't make it without God. And you're saying, God, we need you to come on down in sanctuary with us. You don't have a choice. For the past seven years, Peely, and this is Peely's last Sunday with us, for the past seven years, Peely has been calling us to praise God. Peely has been encouraging us to worship and praise the Lord, and she is going to be sorely missed very much for all that she has done. I was thinking about, you know, as this week, we're thinking about Peely's her last Sunday, and we're thinking about Wonder Woman, the Bible. I was thinking about, you know, is there a, is there a woman that really reminds me of Peely? And as I was going through this, Anna does. I, I connect the two together. I think about Anna, who really knew her Bible. Peely loves the Bible. She loves to study it and read the Bible all the time. Think about prayer. Anna loved to pray. Peely loves to pray. Anybody who's been around Peely much knows, my goodness, she, she loves to pray. I was talking to somebody not too long ago, uh, and they had just joined the uh, music team. And I said, hey, how did it go for you after that first music? I says, wow, it was great. I tell you what, man, that Peely, whoo, she loves to pray. And that's true. We'll have staff meetings, you know, and some of us on staff, I mean, the best we can do is a 30-second prayer. Peely prays for like 20 minutes straight, and she's not even breaking a sweat. She's like, let's go for more. So she loves, she, she loves to pray. She loves to pray, and she loves to worship, and she loves the Bible, obviously. And the fasting part, some of you don't know, Peely is a vegetarian, and in my book, that's like she's a permanent on a permanent <laughs> fast. So, so she kind of has um, all that covered. Well, I am completely excited, and I want to capture this moment, so smile. Yay. All right. Well, I can't believe that this is my last Sunday here. Um, came here seven years ago, and since the very first day that I came to Grace, I just really felt like I'd come home, and I found family here, and I learned so much about friendship and relationships and what it really means to be a part of a family and God has done a tremendous work in my life and has literally transformed me um, and changed the course of my life here at Grace. So um, as many of you probably know I moved here nine years ago from Los Angeles, California and um, I came here to go to grad school. I went to Georgetown and I studied chemistry um, and I was there for three years, and the whole time, I mean, I was good at it, I was published, everything was fine, but there was something missing. It just really, I wasn't fulfilled by it, and the only time that I really felt fulfilled was when I started coming to Grace, and I would go to Bible studies, or I would, you know, sing, and I'd be with the worship, or I'd be praying, or I'd be with my friends, and that's when I felt the most happy and the most satisfied. And after graduate school, I worked in a couple different places before I ended up at the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And it was good. It was a good time. God blessed me, but there was still something missing. And so about a year and a half into my time at the Patent Office, then Grace was looking for a worship leader. And so I applied for it. And during that time while I was praying and kind of making the decision, like, God, is this what you're calling me to do? And, you know, should I leave chemistry? And what should I do? Um, then God gave me the words to a song that, that I've titled Jump, and 
basically it was all about um, jumping into God's plan for my life and knowing that his arms are strong enough to catch me and his hands are big enough to break my fall and, and that he will never leave me and he'll always be with me to the path that he's calling me to go on to. And this song has become like my life song at this point because that first jump from the patent office to grace was just a series uh, was just the first in a series of long uh, of a number of jumps that God has been calling me to make, and this particular one being the largest. Um, so, as some of you know, I'm getting ready to move to California tonight, um, and I'm going to Azusa uh, Pacific University to study music. I'm getting a master's in vocal performance, and um, that's just a major jump. And so, I've been on staff for three years, and about two years into my um, my time here. Then I was up in New York visiting my dad, who was on tour up there, and God gave me the words to another song. But at the time, it was just a poem, and it's, it's called By Faith. And basically, you know, I wrote these words, and then a few months later, I was sitting with a friend of mine, Shaw, and he was playing a guitar riff, and I was like, oh, let me get my journal. Let me see if I can fit something to that. And so then By Faith was born. And basically, this song is, a, is an encouragement to, to me and to all of us that when we believe what God has said about us, and we believe that he has a plan to prosper us and not to harm us and plans to give us hope and a bright future, then, then who we were created to be becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. And that's exactly what happened in my life, that as I started to get closer to God through prayer and through reading the word and through fellowship and as he's honing me through relationships, that he, it became clearer and clearer what he had created me to be and what he wanted me to do with my life and it's not completely clear but it's getting the picture is getting a little bit clearer Um, and so I want to share these songs with you and my purpose in sharing these songs is really that you would know for yourself as well that that what God says about you is true and that if you place your faith in his word he's believable and he never falters so that's good stock. You can place your faith in those words. And then just also knowing that when he calls you to take a leap, when he calls you to jump into something and he's asking you to take a risk, he's not asking you to do it alone. He's asking you to do it with him. And he's asking you to do it so that he can show himself powerful and mighty in your situation and your circumstance. And that's what he's done in my life. And that's what he's doing right now. So I'm going to ask the music team to come up and um, we're going to do these two songs for you. Um, I guess to give you a little bit more background, this has been a moment-by-moment life-changing thing. I would say uh, a month ago, I found out that I got accepted to Azusa Pacific University, which wasn't even a thought in my brain two months before that. And so, um, and then I guess it was five days ago, then I found out that I got accepted to a choir at the school that if you get accepted to this choir, then you're eligible for a scholarship. And I've just been praying, God, I don't know what you want to do, but how are you going to pay for school? And, and so he's helping me with that. And it's just these moment-to-moment decisions that God is really, I'm going to him with prayer, and he's really coming through in a big way. So I just want to share these songs with you, and uh, I hope it blesses you. Just just two more minutes. i got to turn this on. All those who were on the two different teams that uh, Peely led, the music team and the prayer team, if you could join us up front and just surround Peely and any of those who are uh, on staff or on the board of the church, if you could just come on up 
and uh, surround Peely. I'm just uh, reminiscing uh, so much about that first day seven years ago when Peely walked in. It was, very, it was very, very easy to figure out who were visitors back then seven years ago because you stood out like a sore thumb because there were so few people here. And I'll never forget uh, Peely's first Sunday. Uh, Stacy had uh, talked to uh, Peely, and I was right in that hallway where I met her right around there. And uh, she was fantastic. And then she went to leave. And uh, Stacy was like, oh, man, she's so sweet. She's awesome. She wants to join the music team. Stacy was leading the music team. And she said, her dad is Philip Bailey. And I said, and Peely, Stacy was so excited about it. I said, wow, I said, man, that's awesome. Dad's Phil. Who who's Philip Bailey? <laughs> I, said, I, mean, I, I know who Michael Jordan is. I just don't know the music end of things. Who's so anyway? Um, I want to say this just in conclusion before we pray. Everything that Peely has led, she's led it with a genuine heart. That means everything. You know, when you get around a leader whose heart is pure and genuine, you have no worries. Whether we have ever been in good times or in difficult situations, and we're in difficult situations every now and then in church, whether it's a good time or a difficult situation, Peely has always carried herself with the utmost of character and class. And she will be missed tremendously. She has been a gift to this church for the past seven years. And our hearts are just broken to see her go, but excited to see what God's going to do. I'm going to ask if you'll just join your hearts with me uh, as I pray and all of us gather around. If you want to extend a hand up towards her, whatever you want to do. Um, but we're just going to pray with all of our hearts for her for the next few moments. So let's all come out in the middle. Let's all just gather right on in. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this wonderful life, this gift from you that, God, we uh, have benefited so greatly from these past seven years. God, we are thankful for the work that you've done in her and through her. And, God, our prayer is, as you write in your scriptures, that you would go before her and that you would level the mountains and fill in the valleys that, God, that you would just answer every question that there is. We are so thankful for the miracle after miracle after miracle that has happened in the past couple months to get her right now to the place she is now, getting ready to fly out to California tonight. God, as she goes back home to California, God, it just seems so obvious that you are sending her there on a mission, not just to get an education, God, but, Lord, to be a lighthouse to so many people. God, pour your spirit out upon her. God, we just pray with all of our hearts that, God, that you would bless her and that you would keep her, that you would make your face to shine upon her, that, God, you would lift up your countenance upon her and grant her your amazing peace, both now and forevermore. God, I pray that you would provide for Peely in ways that go be way beyond her thought or imagination, that she would experience blessing after blessing after blessing straight from your throne. God, we love her. But God, we know that you love her even more. And God, we just place her into your loving arms. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior.